Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today. Arganissima New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the Sales World Channel and Health Radio with your host, Hurricane Age. Um, this is uh, a unique show, I would say, because this is a topic that I have not touched before, but it's a topic I've dabbled personally in my life with, and it is an important topic because uh, in life, there are some necessities, and this is one of them. <laughs> you know, we cannot live without what we're going to discuss about today. Or what, we, what, what we're going to be talking about today is, is almost everybody's um live everybody has one of those places that we're going to talk about everybody needs one and it is it is live period i mean it's part of it right so i you know i try to be always suspenseful in the beginning of my shows just to throw in a little bit of a you know suspense mode here but but i i do have with me uh you know a super guest i would say uh someone who actually uh is changing lives uh and creating affordability and, and now i'm gonna get closer to the giving you the little tip here and uh he runs a company that helps people with housing solutions there you go. there you have it so I, I i couldn't resist any longer right <laughs> so i have with me mike kidding he is the president and ceo of norhart mike welcome to the show hey thanks for having me oh by the way one more disclosure he does his own show too so he has his own podcast and you know he talks about you know his stuff all the time and uh the, you know it's amazing when i get someone who actually does that it's just exciting because mm-hmm. in one way you know first of all it's humbling and excited because i gotta pay attention to what i'm doing here <laughs> you know you know because they know what they're doing right uh but but it's, it's it's just fun stuff you know so so again fellow podcaster you know Welcome to the show, and 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 frankly, the topic of today is really uh, real estate affordability, housing, uh, and we can even connect that to the health piece of it because uh, mm-hmm. there is a component to that. So we're gonna talk about all that stuff. But before things, as always, we want to go about your background, your story, and how you got into uh, starting Nora. Yeah. Well, at a high level, what we do is we design and rent and build apartments. And really, we're focused on driving down the cost of those homes. We're already achieving about a 20 to 30% reduction in cost, but we believe we can achieve a 50% reduction. Now, imagine what that means. It means someday your rent could be half, your mortgage payment could be half. That's the kind of impact that we're hoping to make. And, you know, originally my parents started the business. It was very small. We were building a few units every year. And I remember family outings where we'd all hop in my dad's car, drive half an hour over to the local hardware store, fill up full of materials and head on back. It was maybe a little bit, uh, I don't know, whimsical or, or, or scrappy, but we would build these buildings throughout the summer. And then during the winters, I'd be off at school. And then came the point at which I went off to college. And 
That was great. It was exciting. And after college, my dad really wanted me to join the family business. But honestly, I, I didn't want to. And the reason I didn't want to is that I didn't want people to think it was given to me. So I really wrestled with my own ego during that time. Eventually realized that what I really wanted deep down was to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact on the world. And I recognized that I could take this small business and grow it to a level that could have that kind of impact. And so that's how I got started. Uh, that's pretty interesting story because um, uh, and there is there is something that we can learn from that, right? Mm. Uh, you know, because a lot of people uh, that, like, let's say, uh, parents who actually have their own businesses and they have children, and typically their children do not kind of partake in that business or family business. You know, it's almost like, you know, like, ah, that's you, dad, that's you, mom. I don't want to be part of this. But then you have a percentage of people that eventually realize, like, you know what? We, we have a business already. Why should I work for somebody else when we can do things, you know, here and, and just take it to the next level? And what happens is because of your expertise and your college education and all the stuff, you can bring a new twist to things, like a whole new flavor to the business, you know, because you said it. I mean, it was a, a mom and pops type of, you know, uh, operation, but then you brought in a whole different angle with the business savvy, you know, concepts and things like that and the tech and, and, and all the the new way of doing things, right? Uh, cost effectiveness and all these things that we all learn in, in the college days, you know, those come handy sometimes if you can apply them properly. And so mm. for our audiences, for those people, maybe just from a business perspective, if you're going to school and your parents have a business, there's a good opportunity there. I mean, I, I double with this with my own kids, you know, they're, you know, like my kids are kind of like in that high school format right now. And so they have to think about the college. You know, like, so we're trying to install the idea of business, you know, oriented because we do have our own family stuff and maybe you can take over because I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it is it is a devil. It's not easy to get them to change the mindset. And, and, and of course, you can't force them. They have their own, you know, path. Uh, but you did that. You kind of first know, but then yes. But then mm. uh, historically, based on what I've read, you've turned the company, uh, you know, to a whole different level. And you change the way of doing things and uh, affordability, you know, is a big deal. And you're, you're doing things that are different from typical developers. And we can talk about, you know, we're going to talk about some of that, you know, what does a typical developer do and how do they come up to a cost and why is it expensive and all this stuff. Right. So again, mm -hmm. I just wanted to highlight that piece, which is probably not the most important piece of the talk today. But it is for like some people just just as an idea. If you're listening, this is a business show pretty much, and and it has to do with health. And we're going to link health to it because I always do those two things. They have to connect somehow. But the concept is that real, you know. Um, and 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 also from an achievement perspective, I mean, we do inspiration, motivation, and this is inspiring to see someone who actually took the idea of their parents and developed it to the next stage. And you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, many successful empires have been built you know from parents to to you know generation to generation and so you're building that next one <laughs> uh, i think i think I, I don't know if you have any kids yet but you know eventually maybe they'll be part of it who knows right uh but that's the plan so so thank you for sharing that uh mike now now let's talk about just development in general real estate mm -hmm. and development i mean so so the reason i i started the show talking about something that everybody needs i mean it is a necessity shelter 
housing accommodations you need to have. We, I mean, otherwise, you know, it, it's tough to live outside, you know, outdoors, right? What it, it has been a challenge over the last few decades, and it just gotten worse and worse, especially in some areas. And I'm not sure what area you're in, but for example, in the New York City area, it's expensive. In Jersey, it's expensive. Um, you know, uh, even Florida, which back in the days was like, oh, it was cheap. Now you can't even afford a place in Florida, right? Uh, you know, so you'd have to literally go Midwest somewhere in the middle of the, the nation to probably get some cheaper, you know, uh, apartment or house and, and maybe get a better buck for your value, right? You know, so so for your bank, you know, it's changed a lot. But so first of all, you know, how did you, um, well, how was it when your parents did it? And how affordable was it then based on the market? And then how the transition, you know, uh, how you transition to today in despite everything that's changed, you're still able to make it. And I love what you said. You want to get people to a 50% cheaper than the market. Now, that's like phenomenal. I don't know how you're doing it or how you're going to do it. But, you know, I'm all ears and I'm sure our audiences will be like, yeah, we want to know. <laughs> so, Mike, let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, so my uh, my parents actually were pretty inexpensive in their uh, their building as well, but they did it in a different way. They were scrappy, right? It was the blood, sweat, and tears. Not a very scalable model. You can't do that nationwide, but certainly functioned well for them within their sphere. You know, for you know, after joining the business, um, it wasn't long after when my dad and I were working together. My dad unexpectedly passed away. And that was one of the toughest moments of my life. But looking back, that was sort of the spark. It was sort of the the gem, the the point at which we really started to change things. Because the reality is, I didn't really know what I was doing. I could start questioning everything. I didn't know the way things were supposed to be done. And in some regards, that was an asset. I mean, there's certainly pain and scars as a result of that. But it was also an asset. And there was no one there to tell me no. And so we just started to change things. But to give you some perspective of what we've changed to help drive down costs, at a high level, in the last 60 years, construction compared to, well, let's look at manufacturing first, they've improved labor productivity by 760%. Construction during that time period has done nearly nothing at 10%. So if we just take the lessons learned from some of these other industries and apply it to our own, we can start to have some success. For example, if construction were to produce cars, you'd have a different company installing the windshield, a different company installing the door, and a different company installing the wheel. Because in the world of construction, different companies do different parts of the project. Then, of course, the wheel company, they would call you up and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I got delayed on another project. I can't be out there for two weeks. So your line would be shut down. And when they did come out, the wheel company would be upset because they could only work on one car at a time, right? The world of manufacturing looks at us in construction and says, dude, you guys are nuts. So that's how things have always been done. So first thing we did, bring everything in under one roof. But once you've done that, you can start applying some very simple techniques. For example, the assembly line. Right, that revolutionized manufacturing. But how in the world could you take a building and apply the assembly line thinking to it? Well, you can't take a building and drive it down the line. But what you can do is you can take the person and move them through the building. So right now, every five hours, all of our teams shift through the building. And every five hours, we complete a brand 
new apartment unit. And that one technique takes a project that might take 15 months and drives it down to nine. I, I, I'm just getting my head around that. I mean, I'm, I, you know, as you're talking, I'm picturing the whole process. I get the manufacturing, you know, and the whole, you know, uh, line, you know, where everything is being, you know, moved down. And you're right. If one of these things stops, forget about it. It's over. And, and if you can, then your project, you know, is taking longer. And the more time, the more labor, the more cost and drives the prices up. But in, in what you just said, it's just amazing because if your whole team is working one apartment at a time, they go fix the next one, finish this one, as opposed to like doing structure, sheetrock, whatever, you know, exactly. electric, plumbing, and then it takes all the building before you can, you get one unit ready, move. That one, you, you can probably do it. I, and I'm not sure if that's how you do it. And then you get, you know, get people in. Uh, maybe you work your way up from down or down up. I don't know how it's done. But 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 the idea sounds very attractive. And it is a simple concept now that, mm -hmm. that you stated it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hard to think about it when you're not in the business. But, but you know, and, and it's surprisingly very effective based on what you said. Because as you do that, the time frame, I mean, what I think the biggest part of the cost is, besides the material, which now more expensive than ever, the labor is expensive. Mm -hmm. So the more you spend in hours of labor, that's where you're driving your cost. Contracting, you know, labor is is expensive. So 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 that that was now that was your idea. I'm assuming that's something that you've established based on, I guess, observation and just learning from other industries. Correct. Yeah, it's definitely just learning from others, right? Like I don't maybe if if I could give myself one superpower, I think what it is is to recognize that I know very little. And if I can tap into the brain power, the best people around me in the and in fact, like in the world, we literally fly in world experts to work with us. That accelerates things crazy. You know, you mentioned one thing interesting, which is that labor costs are high. I'm about to say something that might shock you a little bit. We intentionally pay our people the very highest in the market. In fact, we look to find the top people in the market and. A lot of business people look at me and say, dude, you're crazy. That's really expensive. Why the heck would you do that? Well, the reason is quite simple. The best people change the game. They think about things, things totally differently. They drive things forward. They open doors that you didn't know could be open. And what most business leaders do not understand is that the best people outperform the average by two to five to 10 times as much. I've seen it over and over again. So instead, when you look at it on cost per unit produced, the best people are actually the most inexpensive. So for those business leaders that think they can't afford the best because it's too expensive, it is quite opposite. It's you can't afford not to have the best. And that one realization, that change of perspective, Change things also for us, growing at about 10% a year to nearly doubling in size every single year just because of that change. Also, first thing is I have to just commend you for what you just said. And mm. you don't need my <laughs> my kudos here, but 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 certainly I just want to share with you this value because spoken as a true CEO uh, and a leader, you know, it's not your knowledge that's key is the people that you bring into the table and you exactly. you take that you make that happen i think uh steve jobs you know uh state stated something similar to that where we hire people to tell to not to tell them what to do but to to tell us what to do 
and that's the key right and so it's the same line and you know like your your thinking process is right there and and a lot of people don't see it truly their see is the value i don't have to know everything i just need to surround myself with the best of the best and you exactly. said it if you, and if you have the best they're effective they're efficient they move quicker they'll do things differently and faster and they'll think of new ways of making things you may not get the best and and again we we know this you buy cheap stuff it breaks you want that buy it three times <laughs> four times you know and you just waste the money you buy one good thing and it stays for years and that's the same concept here the labor can shift from one level to the other and then the the result can be not only uh, effective uh top of the line but also it will be quality and that's the other part because you do want to have a quality product at the end exactly. of the day so so thank you for doing that and i think that's a message also for our any aspiring leaders out there uh it's a lesson learned you know from the best the idea is that you cannot possibly be leader knowing that i this is me i know everything you got to do what i say you know you have the vision you have the leadership you're going to guide people right that's the mission however these folks have to buy into it but you have to allow them to to bring into the table what you might not be able you don't have engineering you don't have this you don't have that but you can get the best of the best and get them and if you pay for 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 the talent you will get more mm. that, that's the it's very simple you get qualified people super qualified people you're going to get the highest end of anything you get you know maybe new listen no, nothing wrong with a newbie or just somebody that's learning but it's learning it's you know maybe you don't in a business like yours you can't afford you know time is everything <laughs> you have a project that starts and ends and if you double up the time you're just wasting and then you can provide the service and the product in your case here affordable housing and, and that's a big deal so so thank you for sharing that now i want to go back to just the the uh, construction uh, of mm. property in general yeah. i mean you have a couple of things you have the land and that's one way uh you have to acquire land obviously uh or maybe buy some old properties and you know can just crash them down and <laughs> destroy everything and rebuild i mean that's one piece uh that's part you know that that you can do i mean if you're i'm not sure what locations you're in and you mentioned something worldwide but you know maybe you can guide us through like where do you actually service you know uh your your where you provide your your buildings your housing projects and development that can give us some guidance and then and then the idea is that for example you had houses that were built i don't know 80s 90s maybe 2000 right and the 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 houses then and today are probably the same size let's say taking the same buildings but yet the cost has quadrupled mm -hmm. you know everything that we used to buy i mean you go to i mean i'm just going to give an example you go to home depot the stuff that you bought 5 years ago is almost triple quadruple i mean we're talking about inflation that's that's been there already i mean it's it's amazing and 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 the raw materials the stuff that you use for construction is also expensive so it changes dynamics now in a world where everything is is high cost your formula is still maintaining on a low side you know in the delivery and that's the amazing part you know like and and i love your your ideology your your concept itself like i can still do this and you know provide the best i mean it's like cars right you know you get the best most efficient car i mean i have to say the japanese did the best you know good job about that right they produce top line stuff for very competitive stuff compared to to the us back in years back now i think we're 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 catching up to that right but you know when honda and all these guys toyotas i mean they came up you know with these products they were like oof you know how do we compete with that market i mean 
but we were able to actually catch up to them in the US. But but it's the same concept here that you have. You're and by the way, the other thing is that you're not the only game. I mean, there's developers all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do you also compete in the world where it's very competitive? So those are my questions, and I'll I'll shut down for a minute and allow you to elaborate on those. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A bunch of questions there. Uh, the first I think was related to where we're at. Uh, we currently have uh, properties in Minnesota. Uh, we have some manufacturing capabilities in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin. We're expanding our properties in, right now into Texas. We're expanding our manufacturing capabilities in New Mexico. And about 15% of our staff are actually international. Uh, <clears throat> then on to supply chain and materials. You're right. Materials have gone up quite a bit. And in fact, you talk about housing going up. I think the really interesting metric is housing compared to income. And when you look at that, housing costs have risen faster than income over the last few decades, right? Income That's hasn't not... risen. <laughs> what was that? I said income hasn't risen, man. There's, yeah. there's. I don't think people have gotten more money. Uh, everything else went up, but not the income. So it's a I real know, fact. It's, it's, I don't know. It's unconscionable. Like at the rate this is changing, like we're going to be putting a ton of money into housing alone. And so if we can solve this, it has a such a big impact on everyone. Um. But then we we run into things like the fact materials are going way up in cost. So what are we doing there? You know, we hit, we hit by the same problems. In fact, at the beginning of COVID, lumber went way up and mm-hmm. uh, all resin went way up. We couldn't even get certain supplies and materials. And we said, enough is enough. We can't deal with this anymore. So a couple of things. One is we started building on our entire own supply chain. So now we actually contract directly with manufacturers China, the United States, and Mexico, and we have our own team that handles the shipments and the supplies directly into our sites. So we're in a lot of ways, we're our own warehousing and distribution channels that we built up. And then secondly is manufacturing. Uh, so we've started now uh, manufacturing wall panels. We get steel coils that come in one end of the factory and not the other are completed exterior wall panels and interior wall panels, like with siding and vapor barrier, all completed. Uh, we started doing precast concrete. These are giant beams and columns that go into buildings. And that's only expanding. And we'll expand into that as far as we need to if we feel that the manufacturing costs have gotten out of hand and that we can do it more inexpensively. Um, so we're a bit tenacious. We just we tackle a problem. We're a bit fearless. Um, it's not always a good thing. We got some scars from, from steel coil and, and precast concrete, but... In the end, it's a better thing for the consumer. So thank you, Mike. Well, well that's that's impressive because, and it's it's logical and innovative because in a way you cut a lot of middlemen in mm-hmm. process. You know, you went from like maybe four steps, you know, to like you know, you're it. You know, you go, you get, you're done, and and that in itself, you know, can save a lot of money. So therefore, you can bring that cost down. And, um, you know, you are also innovative in terms of creating some materials yourself and, and building blocks, basically, <laughs> your mm-hmm. own way, as opposed to relying on what's in the marketplace and, and waiting for that to happen. If something happens, you still have, you also opened up to outside markets where you can get your own supplies and you have backups. <laughs> you got China, you got Mexico. I mean, one is too far, one is too close. This one closes, you got something going on here. Um, the other thing you mentioned, which is, a lot of your labor is international. If I, did I get that right? Uh, 15%, but yeah. 15%. Okay, so not a lot, but you know, percentage of it. Now, you said something about the top. And you know, it's funny because there's talent all over the world. 
Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we don't realize. And now, of course, some people say, well, you know, we're in the U.S., you know, you got to build America and you, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. You got another, you know, 75% or 85% of your labor that is local, but you're getting different ideas. And by the way, I've seen something similar in Dubai. So in Dubai, you know, they have talent from every single part of the world. I mean, mm. they have nations, you know, from everywhere, there's some representation. And in these projects they have people from all over you know and even their styles the way they come up with things they're taking the best of everybody's you know i mean from the u.s from canada from europe from china from japan from australia anywhere in the world you know they get in the best of the best you know whether it's you know engineering architecture you know design you know ma you know manufacturing building skills talent it's all there very similar concept. You're bringing that and, and, and diversifying the talent and you're learning because also the techniques of buildings are different in other parts of the world. So you get in some of that because we have a different way of building here that maybe in Europe, I mean, it's concrete and most, uh, most of it, there is less wood and things like that. I, I don't know if you've moved 100% to like European style, but you know, it seems like you're doing a little hybrid stuff there, but it's changing. Now you said Minnesota, now you're going to Texas. Um, and so those are the, the main hubs right now in terms of your yes. construction. Yep. Um, now, someone can say, well, it's not expensive in, in, in Minnesota compared to, for example, a Jersey mm -hmm. or New York or maybe a California. You know, you can do that. But I'm sure that even within the same marketplace, you are still beating the competition. <laughs> Am exactly. I getting that right? Yeah. When we look at uh, the costs, we compare apples to apples. So we're looking at comparable Minnesota properties not New York, because that would be easy to beat in Minnesota. You know, the one interesting thing I often get at this point is people look at our properties and say, Mike, your rents, they're, they're no different than any other rents in the marketplace. What the heck? Like you talk about affordable housing and they're the same price. And ultimately that's intentional, but why? See, our goal long-term is to solve housing affordability nationwide. And if we were to lower rents today, that would be great. We'd solve it for a few thousand people. That's awesome. But really, we want to start pouring the profits, or we are pouring the profits that we make from these properties into building the system that builds housing. You know, Elon Musk talks about how it's hard to produce a car, but it is 10 to 100 to 1,000 times harder to produce the system that builds cars. That's what we're building. We're, and I talk about all these plants and stuff we're bringing online. We're building that whole infrastructure to drive down the cost. And our dream is to scale up to a point in the next 10 years that we're producing 60,000 units per year and have 192,000 units under management. At that point, we're starting to provide enough units so that we are driving down the cost of housing, not just for our own residents, for everyone nationwide because of that supply we're providing. And that's really how you how you solve housing affordability sustainably for the nation and without government support. Well, great set strategy. I mean, you, you're certainly not overpriced. You're in the same market, you know, spend, yeah. but you're using that variable number, whatever, you know, the little high, you know, level to, to reinvest it in, in the bigger structure that eventually will allow you to do more and, uh, you know, really open up. And as you, you go bigger, you know, you have enough units, you have enough, you know, uh, I guess revenue to, to really be able to, to scale things down and obviously make the, the, the cost affordable. Am I getting that right? 
Yeah, that's exactly All right. right. All right. So, so now, your culture, your business. Mm. You know, I, I like your your thinking. You're very progressive, very contemporary, and you know, futuristic in your way of thinking. And and again, from from a leadership you know stand for me, uh, uh, just a, a management you know, and 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 just you know being out there leading you know a new uh, way of doing things. I mean, because construction in general hasn't been very corporate, if you want to call it that way. I mean, it, you know, it's not. You you sound more like a corporate you know culture than the typical you know contracting you know deal or development deal. Now, of course, there are different you know companies that have different levels and. Uh, whatever you want to call it. But, but I, I hear, you know, a true corporate structure, you know, with a different, you know, culture of, of employment, uh, diversity is in there, you know, quality is in there, innovation in there. So it's all the stuff. So, so what do you do to, to really, you know, get your, your, your staff, your teams to really be buy into the concept and, and drive with you the, uh, mm. to the next level? Such a good question. You know, when we talk about our strategies as a company, the number one most important strategies to me, and we only have three, is all about culture. It's about creating a place that people can love where they work. And if you don't get that right, if you don't get the culture and the people right, it doesn't really matter. You won't get anything else at the level you're hoping to do. And so I think the number one most important part of that is hiring the best people, right? If you hire amazing people, they create an incredible culture, but that's not enough in and of itself. For us, we define what that culture looks like. And we spell it out. What's our purpose? What's our mission? What's our values? What's our strategies? What's our goals, habits, and beliefs? That's their whole realm of stuff. And I do every single orientation. Um, so every week we have a new batch of recruits, and I'm in there and I share that right for me to everyone. Uh, we do follow-up orientations where a month or two later, they all come back and they say, here's what it actually is like. We have another deeper dive conversation than that. Um, we have things like annual meetings with every single team that meets up and, and discusses and figures out, okay, what, what's been going on within the group and how do we move things forward? Um, <clears throat> we do uh, engagement surveys every six months. And this, this one's actually kind of fun. You know, a lot of companies do engagement surveys, but... And part of that survey is a super, so we're in a part of a nationwide survey, but there's a super secret part that doesn't get sent to anyone unless requested. And even so, it goes only to the CEO. That part of the survey is the CEO's results. It's my results. Well, guess what? When we go through our results, what is the first thing that we share with everyone? It's my results. In fact, uh, we not only share all the those results uh, openly to our staff, but this past year we actually went a step further, and now you can go to our website and you can read our results for yourself. And Look. it's not all pretty, right? There is there's comments in there that are negative, and you can read all the gooey good stuff for yourself if you want. But I what I I tell our team is I don't want us to be fake good, right? I don't want us to pretend to be something we're not. I want to be honest with where we're at, have a real conversation about it, because that is the first step to meaningful improvement. And so we go through that every six months. And I was just at an engagement meeting this, this afternoon, talking with their staff about their results on their team, learning the feedback that they had from me. And I, I there's some good stuff in there that I now get to take away with and work to improve on. 
But, well, so let's talk about that because yeah. that is powerful. Again, coming from you as the lead, uh, you know, it's not very common to find an open leader that's willing to take the critics and 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 take in the the feedback. Uh, you know, that that takes a high different level of personality to be able to absorb that. Um, and and I love what you said. You are uh, uh, not an absentee CEO. You are an active CEO. You are out there. I mean, you, you probably do some golf. I don't know, but 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 you are literally you, you're in the trenches with the teams and you're doing orientations. I mean, I have not seen. Maybe I have in one example, you know, an orientation where a CEO walked in, at least in my world, and they kind of talked a little bit about stuff. Typically, they're not, you know, at that level. They they don't come down to that level where you are with the newbies, right? Or the new recruits. Uh, it's different. You're changing, and and that's that's the a new wave of thinking. That's actually progressive thinking, making it different. And yes, you know, hey, surveys, bring it on. You know, good, the bad, the ugly. Let's talk about it, right? You know, it's okay. Uh, and of course, you can work on things, and you know we all need improvements. You know, we all have to improve; otherwise, it's it's the end, right? Uh, so sometimes we don't see everything. You said it. I don't know it all. I need to get you know, maybe now. Sometimes the feedback can be just negative for 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 its sake, and that's okay too. It happens, <laughs> you know. But the idea there's a good and a bad, and there's a mixture in there, and you take the best of it. But a lot of also, it's it's open. It's it's not like you're not hiding. There's no secret. There's no like you know hidden agenda. It's all in 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 the clear. It's all pri- you know public. It's open, and you're doing you're changing. So now that that takes me to a question about the lack of of talent these days. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you you're doing good, but have you been experiencing what almost everybody else is experiencing nationwide? <laughs> Which oh, is absolutely. talent, you know, acquisition has been very difficult. Finding people, finding the right ones, finding um, what do you call it, like reliable folks to work and or people that are willing to actually put the time and learn. Uh, it's becoming almost, a, a, you know, a hard commodity to come by. <laughs> it's difficult to find, you know, folks today. You know, you can put you know, everybody. I mean, if you talk to any recruiting agency or any recruiter or any company that has positions open, yeah, positions are like literally stagnating. I mean, they're just out there. Very few people, sometimes people are not qualified, people they're qualified, you know, maybe they don't even show up to interviews. I've had those experiences myself. Or you hire them, there's a start date, they don't even show up on the start date. You know, have you, and and this this literally, you know, increased tremendously after the pandemic. Now, have you experienced the same? And if yes, what are some of the measures that you may be maybe uh, using that can change, you know, things differently? Yeah, you know, we were experiencing the same thing. Um, and I would talk to a lot of business leaders and, the feeling I got is people kind of just complain about it, right? They post something on Indeed, maybe bring in a recruiter here and there, but like, I'm not getting the people I need. There's just no good people out there. And we kind of sat down with our team and we said, dude, we don't want to be complainers. Like we can find a solution to this. How do we solve the problem? And our solution at the time, we we're about a hundred people at that point, uh, is that we hired 14 recruiters on staff. That was the measure so we increased our staff by 15% and they were all recruiters. Sounds insane, but that allowed us to take up our hiring to levels that no companies around us were doing. Because honestly, if we really wanted the best, they're not looking for a job, right? They will not come to your Indeed post. <laughs> they they will not look for you. They're not going to come to you. You have to go to them. So we hired on a whole team 
to go search and identify the best people at other companies, work to build relationships with them over, over time, and then reel them on in when we had the right job opening for them, right? A totally different perspective. And it was painful to get that started. But once that started rolling, we now have really, it, we still we still struggle with certain positions, but it is night and day different and it enabled us to get amazing people. So, well, that, that's, that's all. first of all, I, I can, again, another command here, another kudos for, for it, again, you're innovative. So you always, there's a solution. You're going to find what is not happening and I'm going to do it the other way. You know, I'm going to challenge, you know, the gimmicks. I'm going to make it different. You know, the average, you know, company may have a couple of recruiters. You went crazy, you know, because that's all a matter at that time. You need to focus. That's because without staffing, you're not going to be able to move things. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's where you, you, you put, it's like, you know, the body, right? When there is a, a pain somewhere, all the immune system goes to that area to actually work it, right? That's exactly, you put all the stuff, all your asset in the pain mode, you know, to try to make sure that that pain is no longer there and hopefully it, it, it goes away and exactly what you did. So you you, you change the dynamics there. Uh, now, now that you were able to do this, a question for you, do you see that ultimately you're looking for talent with expertise? Uh, were you open to maybe bringing talent with zero expertise that you will, mold yourself i mean is that part of the strategy absolutely yeah it depends on the position we won't we want the best people for the role and so if there's a role that needs expertise we're going to hire the expertise it's just not it's you just you have to like a precast concrete foreman that's implementing new precast facility they've got to know what they're doing but our measure isn't so much an expertise our measure is the values, how well you align with their values. But secondly, are you on a journey to become best in the world at what you do? As a company, we want to be best in the world. This is literally the goal, to be best in the world at building and managing apartments. And we can't do that as a company unless we have people, individuals who are becoming best in the world at their little niche. So it's it's really about, you can be brand new, but do we see you having the capability, the willingness, and the passion to get to a point that you're the Tiger Woods, or you're the Michael Jordan, or you're the Tom Brady, you're the best in the world at what you're doing. As long as you're on that trajectory, as long as you're pushing yourself to that kind of level, then awesome, you're in the right spot. But if you're not, there's many other great places to work. We're just not the right fit. Love it. Well, again, <laughs> you you got this down to to a real science, and you make it you know really at the next level. Now, now we talked about supply chain, you know, creativity, building your own stuff, talent acquisition, maintaining the best thing, and and being very different in the way you do things and very progressive. Now, there are things that you might now not have control over. Maybe you do, and that's that's my next question is the finances of people. <laughs> you know, we talked about how, you know, incomes have not gone up, but the cost has gone up. Uh, and, uh, you know, you are doing housing, both rentals and, and property sales, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You do sales, no, I'm assuming. Rentals. Only rentals? Yes, only rentals. Oh, okay. So I thought actually there's some some developments where people can buy in, uh, like, you know, co-ops kind of. So I guess that I'll stand correct. Now, now I guess that, you know, there's no finance in there. And there's no, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure if there's, do you have programs, there any special things that, that you have in terms of uh, the rentals or just basically the standard stuff? 
Yeah, it's a it's standard from a financial perspective. You know, we do a lot to provide lifestyle and experience and creating a almost resort style feel for our residents. But we are, you know, you talk about finances overall, we are impacted by things, right? We're not immune to the world around us. We get hit and we have to dodge and move and pivot. And an example of that is, you know, our projects we've typically financed with debt or with bank loans. And in fact, a, if we had a $100 million building, typically a bank would fund us at about $75 million or 75%. That's great because our costs are lower. So our costs are actually less than the bank financing, which is a great place to be. We actually generate cash with each project, which is unheard of in our industry. But interest rates have been rising, right? Which means that loan proceeds or the amount of loans that banks will give you have gone down. So now they're not giving us 75 million. Maybe they're giving us 55 million. So now we have to pivot. We have to change. But that's okay. That's life, right? And so our pivot to that is then we ended up launching a totally new investment platform to sort of replace the bank. It gives everyday people access to uh, investing with us in ways that actually many real estate deals don't even offer. We went through an extreme process with the SEC to get approval to allow any person in in the country to invest with our platform. And the platform feels a lot like a bank, but it but it's not. Is that like you Point? Mean, what was that? It's like similar to Point? I, I'm not familiar with Point. Yeah, they, I, it sounds like it, and I'll, I'll, I can elaborate on it, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. I just I thought that, that was your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it feels a lot like a bank, but let me be very clear. It's not a bank. We're not FDIC insured. Uh, so there is risk involved, although we do take steps to mitigate that risk for people. But what's awesome is you get a high interest rate with your accounts and you can pull your money out or you can lock it up for different periods. But you know, that, that was our pivot. That was our change to the reality that the world around us is changing. Again, talking about creativity uh, and that's, that's what makes a difference between true success and not success. Mm. You're just, you're adaptable, you're malleable, you're, you're constantly changing and shifting based on the circumstances and updating your, your stuff. You're like version 10 versus version, you know, caught in, in V1, right? You're like, every time the, the new edition comes on, you know, you're in there, you're like upgraded. And that's the, that's the, that's a huge difference in terms of like how the thought process. And by the way, this is not necessarily just for your concept of, of real estate or development, all business. If you're not, you know, progressive and adapting with the times and changing. And if you're just about profit, 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 but not adapting and investing and reinvesting and changing dynamics, you know, you might eventually lose things. But you are doing it in a way that you are always ahead of the curve. And as soon as you see something, you come up with creative ways to actually make up the difference and still be, you know, in a way where you're profitable and be able to even have extra margins to do more. And that's actually excellent, right? Um, so so you talked about the, the effect. Now, do you have any fears with how the banking is going right now? I mean, there's a lot of talk out there about, potentially crashes and this and that. And again, I'm not, you know, it just, just, we hear this stuff. The echo is out there. Some of it is real. Some of it is not real. You know, I mean, we've, we've been through a, a recession. I mean, you know, well, maybe you call it like 2008, whatever crash there, you know, and uh, you know, there is, there's something looming that, that sounds like it every now and then you hear about a bank system that is collapsing and closing or something. 
How do you feel about that? I mean, because to your point, I mean, there's a majority of your finances coming from the banks. Yeah, it is a point of concern for me. Uh, <clears throat> what we're finding right now is that a number of banks are, are lending less than they have before, uh, partly because of the availability of funds isn't quite the way it used to be. You know, the Wall Street Journal actually interviewed us recently on this. And the interesting point I was sharing with them is that we had lots of deposits in banks, right? Millions of dollars in just sitting in bank accounts. And one thing that we knew, but maybe didn't know as deeply as we should have, is that your your funds are only in, is insured up to 250000 right? Yeah, I see. <laughs> so what we've been doing now is pulling our money out of banks and putting it into government bonds because now that's backed by the U.S. government, although there's the debt ceiling issue right now. There's maybe no perfectly safe place to go. But um, but yeah, I think we're not the only ones. There's, I mean, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. That was, a, that was essentially what happened. A bunch of big businesses pulled their money out. And I think some banks are feeling the pinch of that. Do I think it's going to have a huge economic ripple to the economy? Probably not. But I think it's certainly a downturn in some ways right now because of that. But it sounds that you're already, you know, ahead of the game, and you have your, your, your ideology and your ideas are there, and you're trying to manage your portfolio correctly so you're not running out of liquidity. Because I think that's yeah. that's as the worst part is like, because at the end of the day, your bank money is only digits in the account. I mean, you cannot pull it in one day. I mean, even if you wanted to, probably you can't, especially if you're talking millions, right? Uh, and to your point, if something happens, two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, you'll have to have like you know hundreds of accounts, <laughs> you know, to just kind of do that and manage all that. That's a pain. So it it is it is a tough place to be, regardless how you play it, right? So so now let's talk about your developments. I I don't know. I have not seen them personally, but I have a vision that they're different. You mm. know, in terms of like you said, it has the feel of a community. Has that and a lot of developments do have that. Is there anything different about yours that actually makes them very attractive? Yeah, you know, one really simple thing, and this is a, a new change for us, but why are apartment buildings, even if it's by the same company, all like separate entities, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> all these different properties out there, but you go to hotels and it's a branded experience between all the buildings you go to. Uh, so one of the things we've been changing now is that our buildings are like Norhart Oakdale, Norhart Cottage Grove, and it, you just get a certain kind of experience. Um, well, our head designer, so S Steve Jobs announces the iPhone in 2007. He walks off stage and our head designer walks on stage following Steve Jobs' announcement. That kind of level of good person. And he is rethinking that experience for residents. It's got a totally different flair and feeling to it, which is really cool. Our, our newest property that I was just touring this morning, uh, it's on a brand new transit line, the gold line. There's a stop right at the front door. The main entryway is two stories tall and the entire width of the building, it's utterly massive. Uh, it has a restaurant, coffee shop, co-working space, thousands of square feet of amenity space, including a spa and a sauna. You know, a pool in the kind of almost like a rooftop area. And then actually on the main rooftop, there's a, uh, a patio and grill with a view of the downtown skyline. There's penthouse suites, which are just gorgeous. 22-foot high ceilings, floor-to-ceiling windows. It is incredible what they're putting together. Um, it's just fun to see. 
See, I, I want to see now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely go in and, and check out some of those buildings. Yeah, go uh, look yeah. at Norhart Oakdale. That's that's where the the new stuff's at. Oh, listen, I, it, it sounds amazing, and and you know, uh, now now I know that you probably do this because you have to. Is that you also have your own real estate, you know, agent crew group. You're not doing it with others. You have your own team that does the rentals and the property management right. and stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you're a one-stop shop. I mean, I get the concept. You're like from soup to nuts, from inception from dirt to, to, key. to exactly. Here we go. It's a, it's a, it's a one, but, but that's, that's great. And I mean, some other, I'm sure other developments do similar stuff, you know, cause I mean, I, I've seen those concepts, but again, it just like somehow it's, it sounds more like futuristic, different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's new, it's newer. It's like cutting edge kind of concept. Uh, and so, so what are some of the challenges that you'll find right now in terms of that, that portion is like, okay, so uh, you have the buildings. I'm assuming that you're pretty much getting some of the tenants locked down before they even, you know, get the key, right? Before you even actually open the doors or, or you just wait until it's already, you get a demo. How does that work for you guys? Yeah. Um, you know, right now with our new buildings opening up, Norhart Oakdale, I think last I looked had up. A two hundred person waiting list. We're still like nine <laughs> months open from opening. It's crazy. Blows my mind. Um, that's good. That's good news. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's been fun. I think so, as far as challenges, I think the biggest challenge that we're facing right now is scale. Right, as you scale up, it is really hard <laughs> to scale up effectively. You can double your workforce, but that doesn't mean you double productivity. In fact, in some cases, you can add people to a team and the team gets less productive. So we're, we are um, navigating that sphere. I think very uh, tangibly, one of the interesting challenges is we're taking this, this uh, cycle time, the amount of time it takes us to produce, or how, many, how often we produce a brand new apartment unit. Right now it's five hours. I want to drive that down to two hours, one hour, 10 minutes, five minutes. That would be amazing, right? I don't know. Did you say five hours? Yeah, every five hours. You you you, you go to an apartment. Done. Yeah, well, it's like a Toyota. They have a new car coming off the line every fifty-five seconds. We have a new <laughs> apartment unit coming off our line every five hours. I uh, listen. I I this is new because I, I don't know if any other developer is doing that. I'm sorry. You know, maybe they are. And I, by the way, if they are, I challenge them to come on and just share with us their story. But, you know, I'm sure you'll be interested in learning as well. But, but, but the concept that you're saying, I mean, when you, when you talked about moving the teams one unit at a time, I mean, five hours was not in my, my radar. <laughs> I was thinking maybe it takes, you know, a couple of days, a week, whatever to, to get through a full apartment. I mean, from to, to really get it all done. I mean, you must have like teams of hundreds of people working. I don't know. I mean, how does that work? It's 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 like 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 a hive, like bees all over the place. Everything is happening at the same time. You got pages, you got this, you got that. How do you do that? I mean, that is amazing. I mean, it's like there's like one comes in, walls, plumbing, electric, this. I mean, I can just see like you know the the teams coming in and out, coming in and out. One of them, like everybody's doing one thing at the time. Because some things you have to have first before you have, you know, mm-hmm. you can't finish before you get all the stuff. You, can, you need an installation. So you're going to have people doing things, you know, one, but five hours. I mean, and, and you're Incredible. talking about like even scaling down. I mean, like, you know, shrinking that to, uh, it's amazing. I Listen, I <laughs> I have no yeah, words for that. It is, it is fun to watch because we have a factory that gets loads of steel coil. This is just big, 
rolls of quail. And within five hours, that team has produced all the wall panels for a unit. It's shipped off to the unit or to the building. And as the truck is arriving, the crane then picks up the walls, puts them all in place. And there's a, several trucks worth. And then in within five, five hours, all the walls are built and the floor is set. And now they move up to the next unit, right? It's just this constant flow of work going on. And as soon as the walls are set, electricians are in, or I think it's plumbers. Plumbers are in behind them uh, doing all the plumbing work. Then the electricians, five hours later, doing their work. It's just a flow through the building. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, it's it's it is cutting edge, as I stated. It is it is innovative. It is really you are able to to manage the system, as you said, to create a system where it's efficient. You optimize everything. You know, there's no wasted, you know, there's no waste. And, and and you prefab stuff, they're ready, like panels are ready to go, boom, zap, you know, done. Next. And 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 that's and you move in as as the next department is doing, it's like yeah, like, like a wave, like wave one, wave two, wave three, and they're going through the apartments. Next, 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 next unit, next unit. And that's that's like amazing how it I mean, for people watching and listening, I don't know if you can visualize what I'm talking about here, but it sounds like you know, it's literally like to your point, you talked about you know that whole chain where you know you pass everything to the next level boom 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 this is happening you know in real time but you're talking buildings you know it's you know it's not like you know you're passing boxes here <laughs> you're talking about building that is being built and constructed you know one piece at a time and every five hours you know have a new unit and then by the time you get to the third floor that first floor is probably done already <laughs> am i am i getting that picture right <laughs> yeah, uh, we actually have to finish up to the roof before the first floor can be done because you have to have a roof. <laughs> but but oh, basically, yeah, 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 you've got the right concept. It's exactly what we're trying to do. And it's incredibly hard. Holy moly. It's a, one of the most challenging things we've done because think about all the pieces of that puzzle have to come together at just the right time. And if any one piece fails, the whole thing fails. It just yeah, no falls error. apart quickly. I mean, even, even handling the material flow, uh, we have these big tents on site. And so you get these large deliveries coming in. And then within those tents, the teams are kitting all the materials that you need for that unit. And then those materials in that kit get delivered to your unit right before you need it. So then you have the materials there to do your work. So you never need to like race off the site. So it's just, it's a lot of logistics is what it is. It is. It's it's a logistical nightmare, I would say. But but yeah. you, you you made it into a nice dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so so here here's the thing though. Like I'm sure you have backup plans because what if something happens? What if a truck is not able to make it? What are some contingencies that you have? Of course, I don't want you to share some of the the secret oh. stuff that the secret sauce. But but certainly like the big lines. I mean, there's got to be a backup system like contingency plan B, C, and you know you, you because the only way for you to optimize everything is you have to always have you know, nothing can stop, you know, this stops, you have, you know, plan B goes in effect, boom. Uh, and that's, that's really talk, you know, thinking efficiently and optimizing the process, uh, you know, that's not for everyone and, and never, definitely not in construction. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, it's, at its heart, it's just being clever and thoughtful. And it's really about getting your team to be clever and thoughtful and think those problems, having a culture of continuous improvement uh, to give you some examples, uh, so framers, they're out in the elements, right? We're in Minnesota. We have weather issues. And so what we can do is you can look at historical weather reports and you can say, okay, here's how often we get cold days that's 
too hard to work. Here's often it's too windy or too snowy and there's rain. Okay. Based upon that volatility, you can actually measure it out using statistics. How, how much of a buffer does that team need? And so there we've measured it out and we know how many batches that team has to be ahead so that they can deal with a, a hundred year kind of event. And then what they actually do within the week is, is that team works four days a week and they don't know the day off they're going to get during that week. And so they might find that the weather day is on Wednesday. So they work Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. But if it's a good week, they worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If it's a really terrible week, they may only work Monday and Tuesday, but they built up a buffer to eat into the, for that terrible week. And then they build it up over the next few weeks. You factor in all the different challenges that are even nature, you know, exactly. which, which, which is impressive. Now, here's the good news is that that's Minnesota, but you go to Texas, that problem is not as, 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 <laughs> you know, although I uh, hear the heat is pretty bad. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, it's hard, but I mean, yeah, listen, I mean, you can get tank tops, you can get your, yeah. whatever. And you know, you can get a nice breeze and you know, fans, whatever. It's not the same, dude. I mean, the heat, you probably can bear it a little differently than you can still work in the heat. You're just going to have to hydrate more and stuff. Um, now, now let's talk about, uh, since we're talking about elements, now, safety issues, OSHA, all these things, mm. you know, how do you, because, and, and, and buildings and permits, that's a nightmare for any developer. I mean, and, and it's reality because you have to deal yeah. with townships, municipalities, you know, building, you know, planning boards and all this stuff. It's not a picnic. I mean, it's you have to have, you know, some real, uh, you know, uh, relationships because that that stuff needs to be like, you know, clockworks and and these guys. And to your point, if you make one mistake, I mean, I can just imagine you have the plumbing, you have the electricians, you have to get permits, everything. They have to get approved before you can close everything and seal everything and move to the next one. This stuff has got to be happening in real time. How do you even tackle that? That's a tough one. Yeah, so going through city <clears throat> cities is, is really a challenge because the neighborhood gets a lot of power over what you do, which is which is good. Um, the you get a lot of people that maybe don't always have the most productive complaints. It really fundamentally is I don't like change, right? I can totally understand legitimate issues and let's work through them together, but if they're just fighting back because they don't want change, like how do you wrestle through that? Um, so we have a whole team that works through those things. I've been to many city council meetings. It's always the same sort of issues. It's concerned with traffic. It's concerned with, you know, um, oh, not my backyard, building height, exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, I can't see the sign anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because a lot of times their buildings are far away from people. Yeah. Um, and so, and then there's also a part of it too, which is, you know, what are you going to do for me? The fact that you're now in our neighborhood, right? So introducing new tax benefits for, for people and uh, uh, bringing new parks and benefits into the, in the community is always a part of it. You know, we've had, we've gone through city council meetings where we had whole support from the staff, entire support from the planning commission. And we get to the city council meeting and like one or two city council members are like, oh, no, I just don't want a building there. What? <laughs> Go through all this work, hundreds of thousands of dollars of planning. And like the last stage, they just, they just, they just don't want it. So then it's over because the, the 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 city council is just the neighbors, just like anyone else. Um, so that politics is always a real challenge, but I'm just glad we now have, I don't have to do that much anymore. And I have a team that does it for me. Yeah. But they still have to go through with emotions, right? It's, it's yeah, still tough, yeah. but yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, those, those planning 
council, you know, meetings and things like that, and the boards and all those things, they're, they, they could be tough. And, and again, they look at everything like, you know, uh, we're not seeing the skylight, you know, we're not seeing the sun, you know, you're, you're kind of ruining my, my view, whatever. You know, they, they start talking about all these these things, you know, uh, that by low and uh, they start like throwing terminology that's like, uh, and we have to deal with that. It's it's tough. No, no. But but for, for let's say you have all that stuff and you're building, we still got to get through the permits, you know, and uh, listen, uh, some townships, you know, in the States can be very difficult when it comes to approving. And, you know, many people, you know, sometimes they linger in a project for months because they haven't gotten an approval or like someone comes in. Yeah, that wire needs to be redone, you know, and then now you have to tear off everything. Ah, that that's probably a, a very bad, <laughs> you know, uh, piece of 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 the work. Now, the way you you sound, the way this is working, you don't have any error, you know, margins because if you did, you know, your project cannot continue. Your your chain is is going to be really, you know, on halt and and and, and really stopped. Uh, so so, how do you mitigate that? You know, it's not that we don't have problems. The key for us is that we've got enough problem solvers to handle the problems as they arise, right? I like that. that. I think is, and if we have no problems, then we're not growing. So, no, I'm always kind of getting gauging a sense of how many problems we have coming in the organization. Um, you know, I think with repetition, you know, helps reduce problems. You know, we built so many buildings now that the team, the people, myself, we know the codes that many jurisdictions are going to bring up and have concerns with, and we've already built that into our system. So when they get out there, they're not as nervous about stuff. And plus, too, when you've got a like well-built system and the city official comes out there, they Rest. have a sense of peace and they don't come and check as much. When I first started out, holy moly, they did not trust me. Uh and they were out looking every nook and cranny because they didn't think I was going to do anything right. Um, so that it's just a it's a process you have to go through to get to that uh, later you, stage. You, you earned your rank. I mean, you earned yeah. your respect, and and the quality speaks for itself. I mean, you've been doing this for long enough that you you know there's no complaints about like the building has got issues, you got problems, you got this, you got that. If if you have constant complaining about you know the structures or whatever, then these guys are not going to be happy. But everything is peachy, everything is good, then, you know, the chances are, you know, they're going to make sure they're going to look at what they have to look at, and that's it. They sign off, done, next. Uh, you know, because you have to deal with that. Those are the things. I mean, during construction and post-construction, to get one of those of, of occupancy, you know, certificates, that's a problem, right? You, you got to make sure they come in and check and do all their stuff, and especially when you got to have tenants and it, there's all that stuff that that needs to happen. Then you have to, even in the construction, you have also to work with utilities, and you have to work with all the stuff that that that's in the township to make sure that it's all done correctly. So that that's a nightmare on its own. But I'm sure you've evolved to to a level where you have that under you know. Now now let's talk about expansion. I know you're talking about Texas. I mean your concept can can really expand you know east west north south i mean i think you're going further south right now but uh you know is there you know any vision in the next decade to really just go 50 i, I think you mentioned something but like any next moves that that are that should we should be aware of yeah in the next decade we're hoping to reach 192,000 units under management with a 60,000 unit per year pace um that is likely going to be a dozen or two or two dozen states at that stage. 
And what's exciting about that, once we get to that kind of level, that's when we can start having a meaningful impact on housing supply in many communities and hopefully can start seeing prices come down. So let's let's talk about that just for a brief moment and mm-hmm. come into the hour here. Um, what what drives the cost? I mean, I know there's all this stuff that we talked about, but like, how do you come up with a rental fee? <laughs> Is it like, you know, because when you buy, you, you do the, 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 the comparison, right? You know, three properties, you do all the appraisal stuff, right? You know, like a market comparison. But in rentals, how do you do that? You, you have a new building. Uh, do you and there's no building like yours so how do you come up with with a nice value price that is affordable or even if it's not i mean obviously if you have a penthouse you got the view you're probably going to have the higher rent you know so is there anything that goes into that that decision oh, absolutely uh in fact we could talk hours on just this one topic we actually uh, we actually found literally the the world expert at this very question and we flew him out we pled with them to come out here flew him out and we spent days with them it was amazing um at its simplest point it's really about supply and demand uh what we measure is we measure the number of people renting well okay before you have rentals you look at comparisons and you make adjustments based upon what you think like oh that one has a pool mine should mine doesn't mine should be priced a little bit less right that sort of thing um, but that's not that's sort of basic pricing. The more advanced pricing is you start looking at the flow and demand for your units coming in compared to the outflow of people moving out. And you do a lot of math to balance those two out. And then to, if one, if demand is higher than supply, you raise pricing up to lower demand. And if uh, demand is lower than supply, you bring pricing back and put those in balance. So you're constantly basically predicting supply and demand and trying to adjust uh, price to balance the two. Oh, it's always that rule. Demand yeah. drives everything, right? You know, uh, and again, inventory, you, you know, if there's there's a need, your price is going to hike. You know, if there is plenty, you got to bring it down so you can actually in those units. Um, uh, you know, but, but now let's say, your buildings are completely different from the surrounding areas. So ultimately, there's got to be a little bit of a, you know, when, again, even here, if you get into a nice neighborhood, a nice, you know, uh, development, I mean, the cost is definitely different from others because you know, that's the price you pay for that particular prestige, if you want to call it that, right? So I, I, I know that's that's probably a good factor to, to, to consider. I mean, you want to live this life. Well, the, the, like you said, the amenities... On, on their own, I mean, cost money. And so you're giving them a whole different experience and therefore they pay for that. I mean, it's like having an exclusive community. Uh, it costs money to have that. And so um, now that's the, the standard. Uh, now in your buildings, on your structure or developments, do you have different levels? Meaning like some are high luxury type versus some more like medium level? What, how does that, you know, uh, configure with you? Yeah, we have a, um, we call them series. So a Series 1 property, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, well-finished uh, property. Very good. Tends to be a little bit older for us, but but nice. A Series 2 is when you start getting into some more significant amenities like a, a coffee shop or a um, sky lounge or movie room. That sort of thing also comes into play. Um, in most of our older stock, they're either Series 1 or Series 2. Our newer stock now is that elevated experience, that almost resort-style experience. 
This is what we call Series 3. And that is what Norhart Oakdale is and future projects are. And um, even within a property, you have a variety, right? You've got a small studio with a bad view, which is the lower end. And then you have a uh, huge two-story penthouse suite that's on the top of the building that has views of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, that's going to be more expensive, right? So there's a spread within each building as well. So, so I don't know if it's shareable, but what is the average price, you know, for a, let's say three bedroom, you know, apartment? Yeah, um, in the ballpark of eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars, it can be as much as twenty four hundred or even less than that whole range. But that's, that's it. I'm moving. Ballpark. I'm moving. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, you're in New York, right? So <laughs> yeah, man, that's it's really like a, expensive in New York. Oh yeah, I mean, you can't even get a studio for that price. <laughs> oh well, there you go. It's, yeah, it's yeah, cheap. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Was it, see, like you know, again, I mean, obviously, location, location, but but you're talking about a nice, you know, area with a beautiful view. I mean, I, minus the weather, I think, I think that's the only thing that would not. But now you're going to Texas. That may be a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so whereabouts in Texas are you guys starting? Yeah. Uh, so Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, nice. on the north side is a city called Denton. Kind of interesting because here in Minnesota, so. Highway 35, for those of you who don't know, is the only highway, only freeway in the country that has the um, the 35W and 35E split, right? Every other freeway, they end numbers. They don't do W and E. Well, it's interesting. It happens twice, once in Minnesota, once in Texas. And the northern split uh, in Minnesota is a city called Forest Lake. That's where I'm at right now. The, the, the northern split in Texas is a city called Denton. We did not plan it that way, but we're essentially duplicating what we're doing in a very similar geographic kind of environment in Texas. Oh, well, beautiful. So, so, but again, I'm, I'm assuming well, Texas is still affordable, and there's there's good yeah. taxes, there's good stuff there. So uh, it's definitely, uh, and and it is a different state in terms of politics, I would say. Yeah. So, so that that can probably be more of a an advantage. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean. Because I tell you, I mean, in in Jersey, and uh, yeah, I'm right outside New York, but you know, it, Jersey is probably one of the the most difficult, you know, in oh. terms of tax and housing and everything. So, it, yeah, I, it's just not the same. Now, I don't know if you have ever you'll ever be in in Jersey or New York, but hey. yeah, I have. <laughs> uh, no, no, not physically. I'm talking oh. about like, as a project, as to 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 develop out here. But oh, well, maybe someday. Maybe someday, right? <laughs> well, you, you you got a whole half of the the nation to 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 dig in for the next twenty years or ten years rather, and then 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 we'll see about the other thing, the other half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Mike. It, it you know we've this was this was great discussion, and uh, you know uh, definitely we shared a lot. You know with with leadership skills, and I mean, we mm-hmm. we gave things about real estate, but also about the style, the strategy. You know your vision and how you operate. Mm-hmm. And this could be literally a good piece. This could be educational for anyone who's learning business or trying to get into real estate or, or just write any type of you know company. And as a matter of fact, just because some of the stuff that you said can be duplicated, doesn't matter what industry, it's the same concept. You use your way; it is totally different from the traditional way. And 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 that's I think the next generation of, of thought you know leaders. I just had a show and it was about thought leaders and being innovative and different. So this is you. You really are a depiction of what that looks like in real time <laughs> and, and with, a, with a proven model that is actually in effect. So, uh, Mike, um, any last uh, words of wisdom to our audiences? 
You know, one interesting thing I've learned is that so many of us are afraid to try something new or to push the bounds because we're fearful that we're going to be bad at it. And what's interesting is that that is normal. That's human nature, right? We start off this earth, we can't walk, we can't talk, we can't read and write. It's terrible, but it's normal. That's the process, right? But what happens to us when we get later in life is we start to think, well, I don't want to start something unless I can be great at it. The lesson I've learned is that you need to be comfortable with being terrible at first. That's the normal process, but it's it's in experimenting, trying, growing through that, that pain of being bad that helps you become amazing in that field. So my word of wisdom is if there's something you want to jump into and start, don't let perfection hold you back. You'll be much better recognizing it'll be bad to start and you'll grow from there. All right. That, that's power. And I think that's a mistake that many people uh, that have a vision they don't start it. They don't pursue it because they want everything to be ready and 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 all the elements in place before they get started. And uh, most of the top people will tell you, start first, then figure out the rest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to yeah. get started somehow, you know. So, Mike, uh, thank you so much for being with us. It, it's it's really, uh, it was fun. It was great. Very informative, very educational uh, and inspirational, I would say. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much. And, folks, I hope you enjoyed, you know, today's uh show it's a little different we talk business more uh, and it's it's in the real estate and by the way uh if you from a health perspective i did say this i just want to close with this you know you need to have a place to live so you can have peace of mind and you need to be able to have an environment where is accommodating and nice and appealing and then everything else you know the amenities can make a difference in your health and and physical and and you know mental and physical so that's important so so there's always an impact of everything that we do from a business perspective to our health and i've always had this you know question like well you're a health guy you know and that most of your shows are health how do you dabble into the business world and all the stuff and i always say this there is nothing in this world that does not affect our health physically mentally mm-hmm. or spiritually so therefore it's all game <laughs> all right all right All right, folks, we'll talk soon. New day, new show, new guest, new topic. Bye for now.